0: Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan is going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Long rebound Hughes. Fake jumper is good. Give it to me, Larry. Give it to me, Larry Hughes.
1: Let's start off with a word from our sponsor, BetOnline. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And now let's get to the show. Okay, welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. For once, we have some really good news to talk about. Since our last show, the Wizards have been on a bit of a winning streak. Uh, They beat Utah 125, 121. They beat Sacramento 123, 111. They beat New Orleans 117 to 115. They beat Detroit 121 to 100. And last night, they beat Oklahoma City 119 to 107. Larry, that's a pretty good winning streak, especially for this team. What's causing it? Why are we winning again? Like, what have you seen?
0: Well, I think they've been playing together. They've been playing as a team. You know, second and third efforts on the defensive end. I think more communication, uh, more accountability on the court for those guys. I mean, they're talking a little bit more. I mean, it's, it looks like frustration as you're watching the game, but I'm sure it's, it's constructive. You know, mm-hmm. things are in the heat of the moment. And then obviously, you know, Brad and and Westbrook, I mean, playing at a, at a high level and Westbrook continue to get, you know, the ball into the hands of people that can score the ball. And, you know, Gafford just is, you know, making it, you know, he's he's making a difference on the defensive end with this, you know, second and third effort and not giving up anything um, easy, you know, at at the basket and also, you know, trying to rebound the basketball as well.
1: Over this eight game stretch, uh, they've gone seven and one and that's, coincided with gafford's addition to the team and they have been a top five defense over that stretch obviously a limited sample size but eight games is enough to know that that someone's made an impact and i can't remember which one of the games it was maybe sacramento but or i'm trying to remember but there was one where they zoomed in on gafford late in the huddle and still reasonably close in the fourth quarter and he was like yelling at guys like we have to talk out there and and we've talked about this on the show a good amount about the communication has been lacking. And I think, you know, he's mentioned it in post games. We got to communicate. Like, I just love hearing and seeing that almost as much as some of the, you know, statistics and stuff after the fact.
0: Well, that's, you know, that's a testament to his pedigree and, and where he comes from. I mean, we're, you know, all NBA players and all have a professional background, obviously, but the pedigree is not the same. And how you learn the game, how you learn to communicate, what you mm-hmm. feel is important to the game is not always the same with every player. So the players that have that, you know, if they're able to voice that, they're able to communicate that to their teammates, I think that that's a, that's a huge positive, especially when the guys are receiving it, right? I mean, a new guy coming in, you know, you don't always sure. you know take the good. You always want, you know, sometimes you want to look at the bad of what's going on. And I think we talked about it, you know, early on is hitting a streak where you can go, on the positive side, you know, of the win streak. So seven and one is great. I mean, we talked about, you know, in a 10 game span of going eight and two. So that's very, you know, in line with what we talked about. And if these guys want to make a push at the 10 spot in the play in, then, you know, that's what they'll have to do to, to close out the season.
1: Uh, Scott Brooks has been careful to remind us multiple times in post game press conferences and, you know, before practice sessions and things like that that Gafford hasn't even had a single practice with this team yet, which is crazy to think about. I mean, between the ankle and just everything with COVID and sort of a veteran-run team, they're having less practices. How much will getting a few of those under his belt, you know, make him that much more impressive defensively? Because I got to think getting in sync with your teammates can only make that better.
0: Well, I think that just allows you to bring one, two, three, four guys along with you when you get into the practice setting. Right. When you're just doing games and shoot arounds, you can communicate that. But you know, the guys have so many responsibilities, so many jobs that those sort of that environment is created within practice. So if you're able to communicate, you're able to to bring a certain energy. Like when you get in practice, like that's when you bring guys along with you. Mm-hmm. And to not have that, I think it's impressive because you can tell that there's a different intensity, whether it's Gaffer coming in or not, you know, just a team, you know, understanding that you know, you're coming close to the end of the season, I think that there's a little bit more sense of urgency there uh, than we've seen, you know, obviously with everything going on.
1: You know, you've talked a lot about this year, about just needing a shot in the arm to come from somebody. And and this has been in a different way. You know, Mo taking a charge was cool, or Garrison coming in, and hit, you know, getting a four-point play or whatever. But they haven't had anybody come in and, like, you know, pin anybody against the glass. and And I think that's been you can kind of see guys get like energized and stuff like that. How much of an impact do like media talk about that a lot? Like, you know, this guy came in and he gave everybody a boost. How real is that when you see a new guy come in and and make a play like that?
0: Oh, it's real. It's real because again, anytime you bring someone into your team, into your situation, you're always looking for them to be great, uh, be greater than the situation that they left because we understand in the league, we all move around and we have ability to be used uh, in different ways to depending on what team you're at. So when you get a new guy in, I mean, you see a play of a hustle play or a block shot or, you know, taking a charge or, uh, you know, a steal into a dunk layup, you know, or layup. I mean, those things are, are energizing,
1: you know, to a team for sure. That's a perfect segue into my next question I had for you. How does Chicago give this guy up? I I mean, he's on a good contract. There had been no real reports of you know any off the court stuff or or real locker room issues? Like I don't think he was super happy with his role being minimized at the end of his Chicago tenure, but but nothing like crazy publicly. Uh, why would they give up on this dude? Essentially,
0: uh, I think it's just direction. You know, I think it's direction and what the you know the front office sees with their you know with their organization with their team. Um, you know, just finding a place for a guy that's. You know, I think if if you're going to focus on defense, I think that that's that's been a strong suit, you know, thus far. Maybe, you know, that other team needed more of a punch in the scoring side or Mm -hmm. they needed maybe a shooter or they needed, um, you know, a young guy with a different contract. I mean, I think there's a a lot of different things that go into, you know, making those decisions. And, you know, another man's garbage is the next man's treasure is is how you always have to look at it and not putting the emphasis on, on garbage, but definitely on treasure. Uh, because these guys have the ability to play and they're just looking for, you know, the right situation and having a situation where you are struggling. Anything you do good is going to be magnified. Anything that you do good is going to be, you know, rewarded in a way that you're going to get media coverage or we're going to talk about how well this guy is doing. And I think that that's a boost of energy and that, you know, that's how you can build consistency.
1: You know, there's so much talk about, uh you need a stretch five and all these things. And and I've been one on the, it's hard to have like multiple non perimeter shooters on the court at one time, but he has added another dimension offensively too. You know, Russ seems to love having a guy to, to throw lobs to and, and, you know, run, pick and roll with. And I think the nicest thing about his offense has been, he hasn't taken a single, shot outside of the paint yet this season for the Wizards, uh, unless there was one I missed last night. Uh, and he's shooting a great percentage. It's the old sort of do what you do mantra. And, and I, I love guys, you know, kind of sticking to what they do well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that that's it. Is you, you want to expand your game now. I mean, there's going to be things that you do well once you come into the league. And I think being an active guy who can rim run, who can catch lobs and be active, I think that that's a, a skill set that he has. Now it's just about, you know, working on all of those other facets that your team is going to need you to do uh, so you can stay on the floor. And it's not always about offense. Obviously, you have to be, um, you know, you have to have a presence on the offensive side of the ball and how you add to that game, whether it's stepping out and being able to shoot a 15-footer or 18-footer and giving the defense a different look at how you roll to the basket. I think that that's something that he can add later on. But I think the energy and being consistent with that energy is a skill uh, that's very, um, you know, we don't talk about enough.
1: Like that New Orleans game, especially the team looked like they were starting to flounder a little bit late and he had a big block on Zion at the end of regulation, a big one on Ingram down the stretch, had another one in, in overtime. Like guys seemed to resonate with that. Russ came down and hit a couple big shots. Like he seemed to feed off of that too. And it just, I don't know, we've, We've heard a lot of like sort of the, you know, the media stuff about like remaking this team and in, in Westbrook's image and intensity, but that does seem like a difference, especially over the last month, I would say, or the last couple of weeks, like guys seem, you know, there, there's a little edge there, I think.
0: Well, we knew Russ would bring the intensity. We knew once he stepped in into the arena, onto the practice gym, you know, into that wizards, um, you know, arena a wizard space that he was going to up the intensity. It wasn't going to be this sort of cool, laid back uh, sort of mentality that, you know, I think that the Wizards have been in for the last couple of years. And he's done that and he's been consistent with that and him getting healthy allows him to do more of that. Right? I mean, you know, his intensity hasn't wavered. His ability to go out and do it consistently I think has with with him being, you know, injured and not necessarily healthy. And you can see once this guy's healthy his mind um, is very strong and to will his and to will his team into better situations and not always right, but he's going to do things in a manner that, you know, you can attempt to follow. He's never doing things that are just completely out of whack. I mean, you know, he gets out of control, but he's just not out of whack as a, as a player that's not out to, to help benefit his team. And I think that that's why the assists are very important to him because Obviously, he wants the, the triple-double. He wants his name to go in the lights. But, man, you know, 17, 18, 15 assists. I mean, that, that is, like, I'm loving that guy if I'm his teammate.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, early in the season, there was some shot selection stuff. And, like you said, playing a little out of control. But it's been a little less of the bad stuff and a good deal more of the good stuff. And, and I think that swings the balance from – You know, a guy that's not getting you forty more, forty million dollars worth of production. To now, all of a sudden, like, okay, you're seeing the impact. And if there was any question about how hurt he was to start the year, you know, you saw finger rolls in the fast break, and now we're, he's, you know, cocking back lobs that he's caught from Denny and dunking on guys. It's like he almost looks like a different person physically. You know, a couple months later.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a testament to him because his intensity never wavered. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you're not feeling great. And you have to go out and compete at a high level. It's, it's not fun. Yeah. And, you know, I give him a lot of credit that his intensity uh, to go out and, and try to do his job, it never it never wavered.
1: Speaking of sort of nagging little injuries, it hasn't been all great, I guess. We, we've had some guys miss some games. Obviously, Berton's missed two because he, he had a kid, not an injury. But, you know, th- this is the stretch of the year where, like, guys are going to start missing some games for stuff, and, and I think that's going to – Uh, Take a toll. Rui banged knees in the Detroit game and and had to come out, Uh, but he was also wearing a band for some, I guess, tendonitis or some soreness before that. So not a great sign. You saw Len roll an ankle. Larry, just given the schedule, should we? I guess should we expect to see a lot more of those sort of little nagging injuries start to pile up?
0: Yeah, I I think it's you know, with the intensity in which these guys have to play, you know, night in and night out, and how close these games are together, limiting the the amount of rest that they can get. If they have something that's banged up, uh, it's tough on these guys. I mean, it, it's tough. You see it now, you know, obviously heading towards the end of the season, and you, everyone is is you know, it's free game, right? I mean, you have to expect that there's something that's going to happen, and that gives you, on the flip side, that gives you a chance to make mm-hmm. the playoffs because all of the stuff that's going on around you, it's going to be like survival of the fittest and you're going to need the entire team and like you said guys are dropping out and going down but the games are still coming and if I'm if I'm on that team I'm looking like the landscape of seeing on the ticker every day that this player's dropping out this player's dropping out it's like guys we have to you know try to be as healthy as we can but at the same time we need to take advantage of these situations that are in front of us and not worry so much about our health right I mean you know it's going to be what it's going to be but when we see teams that are losing players that are in front of us that we could you know, make a jump. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta be go, you gotta go for it.
1: I think this is where it benefits you to be sort of veteran led by your two best players too. Cause they can tell you like, look, it's gut check time. Don't expect to feel a hundred percent healthy for the rest of the year. Cause it's probably not going to happen. And the league said that there haven't been, more injuries this season than than other years but it sure feels like a lot more guys are going down with bigger stuff have you felt that way too
0: you know what it is is that it's like they've seen these injuries coming so so all of these guys or a lot of these guys that I've seen or heard you know that, that have gone out for you know season in injuries or things that'll keep them out for uh, a long period of time they had A nagging injury or they Mm -hmm. had something that was going on with that particular part of their body Mm -hmm. and then you know eventually it goes so that's what I would encourage the guys as well is to yes this is gut check time but be smart Mm -hmm. right because to be out for two weeks you know seven to ten days versus being out for the year you know 60 to 90 days right. is, is, is really it's is different or, or six months for that you know for that matter so it's really different so like you said it has to be a betterness coming in having these conversations and letting these guys know the difference between being injured being hurt being sore being tired like really you know understanding what those differences are
1: yeah I think at some point in the stretch I hope they keep playing well but you might see them take like a schedule loss here where you got to give Russ some 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 rest, or Brad a day off, or or whatever. And I was hoping that Oklahoma City game would be the one. You know, they were essentially like a G League plus team last night. Like it's it's mostly guys that the average fan probably doesn't know about. And and to the Wizards' credit, like sometimes those are really hard games to win when when those guys are trying to make a name. And, you know, you don't have your best stuff. Like, they didn't shoot well, but they gut-checked the win. I think that was important.
0: Man, those, those type of teams, they always want the action. Yeah. Like they always want whatever you're bringing. Like, yeah. they always want it. So, it's going to be up to you to win that game. Because those guys in the position that they're in, like, they want everything that's coming to them.
1: Especially with, like, young guys, too, that it's their first time playing Russell Westbrook. Like, they haven't had that sort of – I don't know, like reality check moment, maybe, you know, like they're just called up. Like there's no fear factor for some of those guys, right? Like, I, Hey, I'm playing for another 10 day or to to be extended for the rest of the year. Like that sort of stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Th- those guys want it all. Right. I mean, you know, in, in order to get that call up, you know, those, you know, your front office has to see something in that's, that's outside of basketball. I mean, the skills are going to be there, but the mentality of those guys that they have to bring up because they know it could be short lived. I mean, you know, I think that those guys know what they're looking for.
1: How much do you, do the guys like that factor in like, Hey, if I make a play against Westbrook or Beal, like it's going to get me more media attention and maybe that helps the fan base, you know, sort of latch onto me and, and stuff like that. Does does that play in at all?
0: I, I think it plays in. I think it plays into the, the the point of, you know, a lot of these guys would play for free. I mean, they, they love the game. They will play, play for free. Sure. But it's the matter of, like, earning that guy's respect. Like, earning that guy's respect. I mean, if you're a guy that get, gets called up and you give, you know, Westbrook or Bill or, you know, one of you, give these guys some work, and they're like, hey, next time it comes around, we you know, we'll take a look at you. And that does, you know, wonders for a guy's confidence that's kind of going back and forth. Uh, it, it's not stable. So, yeah, they want to, you know, they want to make their mark so their name can start to – you know, circulate it in, in the NBA circles.
1: Uh, speaking of a guy who's looked a lot more confident since February 15th, uh, Davis Bertans is averaging <clears throat> over 13 points and shooting almost 50% from three in, in that stretch. He's at least high forties L- last night, especially Larry, like we've talked about like not caring if he takes a 28 foot three, but as long as he's sort of squared up and has a reasonable look at it and and he hit some deep ones last night, but None of those were the fading out of bounds and, and that kind of thing.
0: No, man. When, when he can plant that left foot, you know, and, and take that rhythm shot, I mean, he's, he's what they say he is. I mean, you know, coming off and fading away and ending up out of bounds, that's not, you know, those are shots that you have to take, and, you know, at the end of the shot clock. Those are not regular shots. But a guy coming off a pin down or, or a flare screen, or, or curl up to the three like anytime he can get his left foot down you know shoulders to the basket it's it's 50
1: <laughs> yeah it, it's crazy and, and there are certain ones like it's off the fingertips and you're like oh yeah that ball that ball's going in the net Larry another thing you you hear folks talk about a lot is sort of the clutch gene and I've always gone back and forth about like whether or not that's a thing but just looking at some Westbrook numbers here so the clutch is defined as the last five minutes of a game within five points. And for everybody that has at least two attempts in that stretch, Westbrook is averaging a league-high 56% shooting percentage. His normal 44% from the field goes up to 56. His normal 31% from three goes up to 41%. And his free throw percentage goes from 63 to 78%. I mean, he seems like, you know, it's sort of cliche, but like a gamer. Is that a real thing in your opinion or or with the guys you've played with and seen?
0: No, I think it's a real thing. I think it's a real thing because if you think about the mentality of Russ and who he is, um, he's going to take those shots and make those plays regardless of what you say about him. And if he's not successful in that play, then he's going to hold himself accountable. Mm -hmm. So those type of guys are always – successful in that space because they put in the work, they put in the time and then they're going to use their preparation to live with their results. And that's what you do. And if my results are not what I wanted them to be, I know I prepare for it so I can come to you, you know, all of the media coverage and say, Hey, I didn't do exactly what I was supposed to do. And this is, and this is what happened, but you hold yourself accountable. And he's done that obviously since he's been with the wizards, but I think that that's his makeup and just to have that ability to have that time at the end of those games, that is what, you know, I think gives him the confidence to just go out and try to make the best play possible. So there is a, a thing where you have to be confident in yourself and and hold yourself accountable to know that you put in the work and you're going to live with those results.
1: You know, Jordan was one of those guys where like he made multiple comments about not being afraid to fail and, and things like you just talked about. Even, you know, at close to 40 years old or 40 years old, did, did you still sort of feel that playing with him of like, oh, yeah, this this guy, like he still got it?
0: Oh, yeah, no question. No question. But, but then again, he's still prepared like he was the MJ in Chicago. Sure. I mean, obviously, lesser intensity, lesser reps, but the focus was still there. Mm-hmm. So when you put him in a situation, he's like, I've done this a million times, whether it's a last second shot or, you know, with any time within that last five minutes it's like he's done it over and over and i think that that's the mentality that you you know once you have that and you are professional and obviously you become an mvp you don't lose that because you've prepared your whole life for that sort of situation and and to be prepared to take a last shot or to be the man down the stretch it's all you know it's all you know it's all in the plan
1: what does that do for the guys around a player like that? Like, does it give you more confidence? You're like, oh, we can win any game because he's going to do something, you know, superhuman at the end?
0: Yeah, it gives you confidence. It, it definitely gives you confidence to, to go out and maximize what you can do. Because, you, again, if you know someone is very strong, you know, down the stretch, guess what? The other team knows that as well. So they're already nervous. Yeah. And anytime time you can get a team nervous about what a player on your team can do, uh, that gives you a, a boost of confidence because now you get eyes on that guy and it may make your job a little bit easier as well.
1: And now a word from one of our sponsors. If you're anything like me, you always lose or break every pair of sunglasses you've ever had. Well, it's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canaan. Canaan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon. Clearly better. And now, back to the show. We we talked a little bit earlier about how the defense has been improved. There's one thing—it's just sort of maybe a style of play thing. Or I'm I'm turning into like a, an old curmudgeon at this point in my life, but I still just don't understand switching everything defensively, especially late in games. Like I get most matchups or whatever, but there were multiple times in that Pelicans game where they ended up with Haul Neto covering Zion late in a game and. I One, I just sort of don't understand why you'd live with that matchup. And luckily, Gafford bailed them out twice on big possessions. But what's the – if you don't really have the personnel to do that, Larry, what's sort of the benefit of doing that?
0: You know what? I don't think that – I think you have to find out, you know, what's the best strategy in that space. I think switching is a, is a very important part of the game today because of, you know, the floor spacing and how well, how well guys shoot the basketball. There's, there's a lot of unnecessary switching that goes on. Mm-hmm. There's different strategies that I see within a game that I would combat, and I'm not sure if I want to say those things right now, you know. But there's things that I would do differently when I switch, right, because I think I see teams switch and they don't put any pressure on the ball handler um, if, if that's the necessary guy. Or I saw the other night, um, who was that? Philly was playing Golden State. Oh, and they were, half
1: court and stuff.
0: Yeah. So so they were switching, you know, MB would get a matchup, but they were also doubling from the baseline. So I think that you have to have that strategy when you switch, that it's not a man on man sort of um, sort of coverage. And it's not necessarily a, a help sort of coverage either. It's actually a double to allow that guy to get that ball out of his hand. So those would be some things that I would, you know, try to to you know to negate, you know, being caught with a with a small, you know, behind a big guy.
1: Especially if you have someone like Zion who's really good, but he's not like a knockdown shooter. Like, you know, Steph or somebody makes that a little tougher because they can shoot from anywhere. Like you have to run two guys at him at half court sometimes. But I I would just think, you know, if, if Rui is your guy in the clutch like that you want with that tough matchup that you wouldn't be so quick to anytime you see the screen coming, you just auto switch.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's just ways to to put Rui on someone and as the ball is rotating, just have him go as the switch guy or put Mm -hmm. him close enough to the action that he takes the switch guy as opposed to the the guard taking the switch guy. And that's a little bit of basketball talk, but it's like, you know, because a lot of times if you have the best defender, they're going to try to get the best defender Mm -hmm. off of that guy, right? So you have to place your best defender – in a position where he could rotate to the guy that's most dangerous. And then that way you, you, you even things up. And obviously there's some, some free movement, some free rotation there, but you're giving up something anyway, and you might as well give it up, you know, on a rotation where everybody knows that this guy is going to this guy Mm -hmm. uh, for that particular matchup.
1: Yeah. And then you're dictating play. It's sort of premeditated and, and you're not at at Zion's mercy to, to do whatever, uh, whatever he wants to do. And
0: yeah. I, I'm dictating all the action. If, if, I mean, in, in this day and age, I mean, if you wait for the switch and you wait for you know the backside, you know, uh, interchange, like you're going to be lost because it, it's, it's too much action going on. So if I'm obviously defense coordinating, I'm I'm always uh, forcing the action.
1: As someone who really took pride on the defensive end of the court, which there are obviously lesser guys who care about that now. Like if you had the toughest matchup and I don't know, let just whatever team you're on, the worst defender on your team is ready to switch with you. As someone who takes pride in that, would you would you wave a guy off? Like, I mean, unless that's the scheme and you don't want to blow the scheme up, but I would just think if if you were the guy that wants to be the guy defensively, you would sort of be hesitant to want to do that. Like I would want the toughest matchup if I were the best defender.
0: Well, if, if I can if I can stay on my matchup, I would stay on my matchup, especially as a defensive player. The offense is obviously getting the benefit of the doubt, but if you're a good defensive player, the league knows that you're a good defensive player. So you have to combat what the league is doing on the offensive side to say, hey, I'm a pretty good defender and my coaches have advocated for me. My my program has advocated for me. So the league knows, the referees know that I'm a defensive player. So you always want to keep those guys on those offensive players and kind of try to even things out. So with me, I would try to stay on my matchup and, you know, obviously, you know, play the numbers.
1: Uh, just sort of pivoting a, a little bit based on, on that particular topic there. There are 17 guys in the league right now that are averaging more than 25 points per game. In 2003, 2004, only Tracy McGrady did that. Is that just the rules now, Larry? Or, or is it all like is some of its style of play? Is it some of its skill level? Like what, what leads to most of that?
0: Well, the, the, the rules are definitely played to, you know, obviously more points. And the skill level of these guys have, have gone up, you know, crazy because they know more so they can do more. But, yeah, man, it's just, it was just tough to, to score. And, I mean, you, you talk about guys being in the paint. I mean, you watch, you can watch 40 possessions now. It's like one person in the paint, you know. And that's, that was never uh, the case, you know, back then. So it just made the game tougher. But now, I mean, there's just tons of layups. I mean, guys, you know, if you pass up a layup to do anything different, you know, back in 2003, you were coming out. I mean, guys now, they pass up layups to throw the ball out to shoot threes.
1: Semi-contested threes, too.
0: To take contested threes. So it's a, a difference in, you know, the number of possessions and obviously the style of play. And like you said, I mean, these records, all these things are going to be skewed. I mean, try to compare guys in 03 to these guys now. It's not going to match up, you know, so if somebody, they don't know basketball, it's going to look like the guys in 03 were just trash, and these guys are like the greatest thing, you know, smoking. But uh, it's just the evolution of the game, the evolution of the talent. And I would like to see more defense play, you know, in a way that it's not just completely uh, an, offensive, an offensive game.
1: Yeah, there are some other stats that that follow along with that. Like in 10 years ago, only 12 guys averaged more than 17 shots a game. Five years ago, that was only 15. And now there were 30 players that average more than 17 shots a game and just so many more possessions. And and typically your best players are going to take as many of those possessions as possible. So yeah, I'm with you. I would love to see, like, I don't need to see a 75, 74 playoff game, but I also don't need to see that be the score at halftime or halfway through the second quarter either. Like, there's got to be a healthy medium somewhere in there. I would think.
0: Yeah, I, I just think when you have even even still when you have you know a, a seventy five you know eighty five game you know late in the third quarter, right? I mean, a fifteen point run or a twelve point run or a ten zero run. I mean, it makes a it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now today, I mean, you know, guys they're going fifteen zero runs and it's you know, we'll catch up because there's so many possessions and obviously you know that the offense is going to win. So I just think that there just needs to be a balance on kind of the in-game suspense, a, a little bit more of in-game suspense for me.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you there. I sound old to the younger generation, but <laughs> you, you like what you grow up with too, I think. Uh Larry, I meant to ask you about this one the other week and it sort of, we ran a little short on time, but Jerome Robinson went from totally on the bench in the doghouse to starter, to cut, like within a matter of like a week. What, what is that? Is that just them giving him like one last chance to show what he could do with some opportunities and it didn't work out so they let him go or are they trying to feature him and do him a solid and maybe someone will pick him up? Like how do you sort of explain what went down there, I guess?
0: I think that that was a little bit of both. I'm uh, not sure who his agent is or what other players he may have, you mm-hmm. know, in the league but I think that they were trying to see what they had to see what role he could play and see if there was a position for him, uh, you know, on the team. And I think it was a struggle. I I don't think he played well, Mm -hmm. um, you know, consistently to say, this is a guy that can be a rotation player. And anytime right now, if a team is struggling and you're not necessarily that quote unquote, a rotation player, like you're, you're very expendable to see if there is, another spot we can open if there's some cash we can give back or if it's just a complete um, you know parting of the ways to allow you to do you know whatever whatever it is that you need to do as a player so I think there's a lot of things that go into it and understanding like the you know the, the backdrop of it of uh, what role did they want him to play initially and did he meet those roles and, and and if not what can he do better those are things that I hope that the organization explained to him Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to keep him, you know, progressing and, and hopefully get a chance to get back into the league, but making sure that he knows what he didn't do well, or what he did do well to get him put in the starting lineup. Shit, I don't. I mean, that's that's kind of wild to have somebody, you know, go in that sort of rhythm uh, and then be escorted escorted out the door. That that's a little bit different from from what I've seen, especially from a guy that you expect to be, you know, in, in the mix a little bit.
1: We've seen that a couple of times this year where where guys go from buried on the bench to starter to buried on the bench. And yeah, like you said, the suddenly cut was a little bit of a surprise to me, but uh, they opened up a spot for Jordan Bell. Uh, So anyone not familiar with Jordan, he's an active player, athletic, six, eight, sort of a small ball center kind of guy. I didn't really get the move a lot at first, other than he'd been in your system, played for your G league team, you know, played some games for you earlier in the year. Uh, but then you start to see, you know, you've got uh, Gafford still on a minute's restriction. Rui's a little banged up. Berton's missed some games. So that extra big in the mix that, you know, could come in, bring some energy, it it actually made a little bit of sense. Do, do you see him sticking around longer term or for the rest of the season? Or, or what have you seen from Bell in his very limited minutes so far?
0: Uh, really fine in a row. I think, you know, I watched uh, Bill, when he's playing out in Golden State, and obviously they had you know a nice infrastructure built around him where he could go in and you know be athletic and disrupt some things. Uh, for the Wizards, I think he's he's going to be asked to do a little bit more. I think he's going to be asked to be a little bit more consistent uh, with, with the shot making. Uh, because of his size, he's not the biggest guy. Obviously he can play above the rim, but in order to space the floor, I think that he's going to need to shoot the ball a, a little bit better. And I think that that's something that can help the Wizards out. And obviously, if anybody you know of a bigger guy can shoot the basketball, that's a value in the league for sure. So these last you know 10, 15 games, I think showing you know his ability to help you know space the floor more, help Russ out, be a guy that can run the wing for Russ uh, because there's not a team's not built on a bunch of athletic guys that can run and you know, run and jump. So I think that he's another guy that you can put. Uh, in that mix that can also help Russ out as he drives to the basket also.
1: I want to close out with sort of where we are, you know, with regard to to the standings and all those things. So Wizards are 24 and 33 right now, currently tied for 10th place. Charlotte is at 8th place at 28 and 28. So the Wizards are four games and some change back at the 8th spot. And the Hornets have been struggling a little bit over the last 10 games, Gordon Hayward being banged up. They are getting LaMelo ball back apparently in the next week, so maybe that helps give them some juice. The Pacers are 26-31, and so the Wizards are two games back of the nine spot, and they're tied with the Bulls basically for the 10 spot, although with the tiebreaker, the Wizards are are currently behind them. And uh, Toronto is a half game behind the Wizards uh, at 24-34. and Do do you see this team pulling it out, Larry? Like, do you do you think they're they're gonna get in here? Or any any sort of gut feeling? Hey man,
0: they got a fighter's chance. Yeah. They got a fighter's chance because if, I mean, if you talk about the standings like this in a in a different year, you know, with all these teams being under five hundred and you're just not really having a, a bunch of rhythm to their game, I would say that it's a long shot. But with how this season is gone and you know how guys you know knock on wood or dropping out you know you have to give them a chance I mean if you get to even if you get to the eighth spot you're still in that playing situation so you still give your chance yourself a chance to to make the playoffs winning enough games to get yourself in the seventh I mean that would be something that that's amazing and that would be something that I would be shooting for but yes I think they do have a fighting chance to make the playoffs
1: Uh, certainly if they keep playing the way they've been playing for the last week or so here uh, if you can even keep You know, semi on that pace. You know, maybe you lose a game or two. Their next couple, like they play Golden State Wednesday. That that's a tough game when you have to match up with Steph anytime. But they have Oklahoma City again on Friday. We saw how depleted they are, and then Cleveland again on Sunday. I'm not sure how much Cleveland wants to win right now. So that's not a terrible time. Like all three are winnable games. Larry, is a guy who's been in a position where like you were a young guy trying to get into the playoffs for the first time and build a little momentum, how meaningful would it be for the younger guys on this team, especially just to get into the playoffs? Even if you get swept like 4-0, how valuable is that sort of postseason experience?
0: Oh, well, not getting swept is not, not valuable. I think okay. when you get into, the, get into the playoffs and you have a chance to battle, and let me say that when I say if you say getting swept for us, how you lose those basketball? Sure,
1: games. you're competitive, but but even if, if you don't make it a seven game series or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that there's value there uh, to to compete and mm-hmm. to show that you're able to to win, you know, a basketball game. Obviously, this will be somebody that you faced in the regular season, sure. and whatever the case was, injuries or COVID situations, you get a chance to hopefully match up with these teams in a little bit better health so that's how I'm looking at it if I'm just coming in into a you know into a play-in situation but I think this making it to the playoffs is is value to the players it's value to the coaching staff it's valuable to the the fan base it's valuable to our free agents that are you know to be uh, that are coming up because they want to roll into a situation that has some sort of legs under it so I think that there's valuable opportunities and reasons why you will want to make it, you know, to the playoffs, uh, you know, in, in any year, I mean, including this year for sure because of all the standings are so close together. You don't know what could happen.
1: Just as somebody who didn't play in this format, do you like the play-in game idea?
0: Um, I think it has some value. I think if you're the eighth seed, that's where I struggle with the, you know, with the play-in spot, because I think that, even when I was playing, I mean, teams worked so hard to capture that eight spot, I mean, just to get into the playoffs. And, and, and you know, in this year, now you are working so hard to capture that spot, but then still you still haven't gained anything. You just earned the right to, to make it to the play-in. So that's why I struggle with, you know, with the eight seed being in, into that play-in game. I would much rather see just the entire league be included in, in the playoffs and not matter – East or West and just take the best teams that are are record wise and and do the playoffs that way.
1: Yeah. If you're, if you finish seventh even and you get hurt with an injury or something at the wrong time, you could end up sort of, uh, somebody who had a drastically worse record than you at the 10 seed could end up taking your spot, presumably. That seems stupid to me as a player, I would push back against that, but I'm still going to watch every one of these play in games. I think like, so from the, make money, uh, eliminate tanking. Like I do see the positives, but I think it'll be compelling TV at least.
0: Yeah. And then again, I think it takes on a bigger, a bigger, um, plan if, if there are fans in the arena and you have yeah. packed houses and you get a chance to, you know, really bump up the intensity of knowing that, Hey, you know, you're kind of that college situation where you don't have, you know, a full series to go. I mean, there's a chance that you could be going going home. Uh, but you need that fan experience to, to make it, Uh, a little bit more than what I think it'll be this year
1: as a veteran segue once again Larry the Wizards will have fans in the arena Wednesday night against Golden State how much will that mean for this team to have people in the building especially on the streak they're on right now
0: well for the Wizards for sure I mean just the fan base is is great so you know just having them in the building to support because they do that so well I think it's, it's good for the team and I think it's good for the uh, you know, for the fans as well, just to be in the environment where you see your team now is, is kind of turning a little corner. They've now won some basketball games. They now have, you know, some good energy behind them. So when you come into the building now, it's not, you know, with the paper bag over your head. You're really trying to give these teams enough energy and enough motivation to win ball games now because as fans, I mean, that's, that's kind of a little bit of your job.
1: I love it. I think that's a beautiful note to end on. Folks, remember to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Let us know if you have questions or anything you want to talk about, especially, you know, as we get closer to the playoffs here and things like that. So uh, we will check you guys next week with hopefully a couple more wins under the Wizards' belt.